Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Back to another episode of the Kingdom Says Podcast. I am your host, as always, Garrett Williams. And joining me today, I have my two usual co-hosts. We've got Kyle Henning. Kyle, how are you doing today, sir? I'm um, doing doing all right. Uh, it's it's been a heck of the last couple of days from the on the in real life side, but Chiefs talk wise, we're good to go here. So ready to do some of that with you guys tonight. Yes, sir. Also joining us, of course, Arrowhead Tom. Tom, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Kyle let me have an episode and talk draft earlier in this week, and uh, so I won't have any outbursts in this episode. Um, so I'm excited. I'm in a great mood. Good to a, hear. And then full also, hour, full hour of draft talk with Daniel. Yeah, I about to say, if you guys missed last episode, Kyle and Tom did a great job hosting with Daniel Harms talking draft. Uh, but now we are looking ahead to uh, the future. And joining us to talk today, we have former Chiefs offensive lineman and friend of the program, Joe Valerio. Joe, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, guys. I mean, you know, as a lot of people know, I, I live in Philly, even though Kansas City will always be in my heart. Um, so, you know, it's a good good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. You know, I grew up watching yeah. the Phillies and the Eagles and all the other teams. We got the Union and the uh, MLS Championship. Uh, okay. We've got the Phillies, obviously. World Series up two to one on the Astros. Eagles are undefeated. Sixers and Flyers. We'll see how that all plays out. But you know the Sixers trust the process. But yeah, it's good. And I just saw Rocky the Musical in Philadelphia, which okay, it doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. So yeah. you, you put my two favorite things, Broadway and Rocky together. Broadway, Rocky the Musical, pretty damn good. Nice. I can imagine the city being pretty electric with the uh, way that that Phillies game went last night and McCullers getting given up the tip pitches. It looked like maybe a little bit because Bryce sure knew what was coming when he when he walked when he hit it. So yeah, and and, and the way that he told Bomb, you know, he's like, hey, he's calling him over, hey, Bomber, and then they're they're whispering. Next, thing you know, he hits hits a first pitch home run. So yeah, it's, it's good uh, good time. But it's it's an even better time to be be a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I think this team is coming off a bye. They're going to be Rested, ready to go, getting through this, what, unprecedented, you know, tough schedule that we kept hearing about all offseason, right? NFL's most, uh, you know, dominant schedule in the last, well, in history, right? It was going to be the toughest schedule. Right. First eight games in history, looking at playoffs and, you know, win percentages of the teams they were playing. You know, I think it's some of it's played out, some of it hasn't, you know, as far as the schedule being tough. I don't think some of the teams that they played were what we thought they were going to be. Um, but you know what? You come out, you know, come out of the bye week five and two, you know, strange loss to the Colts and, you know, the Bills game missing some guys. You know, there's reasons and there's excuses in life, right? There's There was a couple of both, I think, in that Bills game. There were some excuses, but I think there was also some reasons, uh, you know, why they didn't come out on top in that game. But, hey, you know, it, it was a game and – you know, we we hit we see them later on in the season. We know how that's going to play out. Kind of like Rocky, right? He lost to Apollo Creed in the first fight, and then exactly. he came back and, and beat him in the championship. So that's what we that's what we need to that's what we need to look at. So, but I, but I'm really excited about this team. I, I think they're like most teams, most Chiefs teams in the last four or five years. They seem to get better as the season progresses. Yeah, they are seeming to to kind of find their groove as we get further along in the season. Like you said, five and two after this uh, this bye week here with the Titans coming up. Uh, we want to kind of recap a little bit of what the season has been and what that season has looked like so far, having Joe Valerio here uh, to kind of talk about some of the critical you know positions that have been under scrutiny so far this se- season. Uh, first and foremost, obviously, the obvious connection, uh, offensive line. Um, you know, last year the Chiefs came out. They completely revamped their offensive line. Five new starters, got a bunch of new guys in there, and they did really well. 
And then this year, it seems like that transition, they've, they haven't, they, you know, they didn't pick right back up where they left off last year. It seems like they've had a little bit of a slower start. There's been some injuries, you know, uh, Trey Smith has some deals, dealt with some injuries. Orlando Brown has dealt with some injuries. But what have you seen, Joe, from the offensive line this year that kind of gives you hope going forward with, uh, with the rest of the season? Well, the start. Let me let me start. I always like to start with you know get the bad medicine out of the way. Sure. Uh, get that bad taste, uh, and then and then you know always like to you know finish with dessert, right? Something really good and it tastes real good and sweet. But um, you know, I, I think um, you know looking back to the Super Bowl where we know that like the offensive line was probably, I'm not saying the reason they lost in that Super Bowl, but if you look, if you you know if you if you uh, if you look at what Brett Veach and Andy did along with Eric Bieniemy over the course of that offseason and revamping and never letting that happen again, obviously, you know, they know how important offensive line is. And, and we saw what they did to make sure they shored that up because they never wanted that to happen again. And, you know, I thought last year this particular five, you know, came together. Um, you know, Orlando Brown was a, a great pickup. You know, Joe Tooney's just, you know, he's a stalwart. Creed and Trey had unbelievable rookie years. And I think, you know, the big question mark had going into this season and even the last season was like, what, what was going to happen at right? We know that Lucas, you know, didn't make it through. And, you know, Andrew, I hate to say this, probably looked at as probably the weak link of those five. Um, you know, that's where I think a lot of the, the uh, pass rush tries to, they try to, push their, uh, you know, their protect, they try to keep the protection sliding away from him so that they get him one-on-one and they get him singled up because defensive, you know, lines and, and, and they can, they can bring more pressure to one side to try to single certain players up. And I think they've been trying to do that. The Raiders tried to do it with Max Crosby. Um, but you know, Orlando, if I kind of went through them one by one, Trey, other than the injuries, I'm not worried about the interior. I, I think they're going to continue to get better, you know, guard to guard, you know, they're solid, right? Their double teams are getting better. Their hips are getting together more. Uh, they're passing off stunts better. They're picking up blitzes in the inside better. I, I think inside is good. I think if you start on the outside, you know, thinking about Orlando Brown, I, I don't know. There was something about it was like it was like he was in it was like he was in cement or quicksand or something. I don't know. There was something with his feet that was really causing me pause and concern at the beginning of this year. I think he's starting to get back. And what I'm probably you know, if I had to guess, I would surmise that he had some kind of underlying injury that was keeping him from being uh, as quick as he usually is with his feet because he's an incredible athlete for his size. Um, so I, I, I'm seeing more improvement out of Orlando these last couple of games. So I'm just, you know, I'm hoping fingers crossed that it was some underlying injury. He either wasn't telling somebody about, or they were keeping him out on the field. Cause there was a while there where I was thinking, man, Orlando should have taken that deal. You know what I mean? He should have just signed that big deal because I'm thinking if he continues to have a season like this, you know, yeah, is he, is he going to be a top 10? Of course, but you know, he wanted that top three money and, for the first several games, I was thinking he's not going to get it. And, and so I was a little concerned, but I think it's, it's getting better. He's improving. And, you know, Andrew's going to, you know, he's just going to have to be more solid. He's just going to have to, you know, he's just going to have to keep fighting and, and, and continue to impress the coaches. He, you know, he won the job. I think Andy and Eric and, and Andy Heck, offensive line coach, you know, they gave him the job that he, they did have a competition, which is good because you always want to see, competition on the offensive line at, at least one position to keep people in check um, so they don't get too complacent. And I think, you know, that was the position they did it at. So, and I love Nick Allegretti. I, you know, he, he wear number 73. He's got a lot of vowels in his name. Like, come on. It doesn't, he catches, he catches touchdowns. I mean, come on. It's like, we're like, uh, we're like brethren 30 years apart, but um, you know, he, he's only one guy, right. And he's backing up three positions uh, you know, Jaron Christensen and Darian Kennard are not proven. So they've gone from having in the past where they've had like what I would call 10 starters. Now they're down basically to six. Um, and that's the, that's the concern that I have is that they don't have that depth 
that they used to have. And, and if they had one or two injuries and, you know, Nick's going to get stretched by playing one of the positions that he has to back up. I don't know if Jaron and Darian, I know Lucas Niang is, is back to like these limited practices and whatnot, but anyway, that was a long answer to a short question on, on how I think the, the offensive line is shaping up. I think there's been moments where they have, um, they have not really gotten their hips together. And I used that term earlier, like they haven't been uh, pushing the defensive lineman into the next level. We used to call it when I coached offensive line, I used to call it block the linebacker with the down lineman's butt. Okay. So picture two guys getting their hips together side by side and pushing one guy backwards, right? Well, when you zone block, that's what you need to do. You need to drive your hips together. You can't be working against each other. You have to drive your hips through and then press them together. So just picture, we used to do this drill where when we would practice our double teams, I would stick a pad between the two linemen who were double teaming. And if that pad fell to the ground, it meant they weren't clamping their hips together and using their whole body. So think about that. That's 300 pounds a guy going against another 300 pounds a guy. So 600 pounds over three is going to win. The problem is if you, if you come off of those double teams too early, the defensive lineman can sneak through. If you stay too long, the linebacker scrapes over and he can make the play in the hole or, or stuff it. So you just, those, those double teams are critical. So I always tell fans, you know, if you can take your eyes off Patrick Mahomes for five seconds, watch the line and see how they're doing on those double teams. How are they moving the line of scrimmage? And if they're using that, if they're using those double teams to block, think about that picture, right? Block the linebacker with the down lineman's butt. So you want to push him backwards so that you're forcing the linebackers to bubble over and then other linemen can come off. And those are critical in the NFL to the running game. And I think that's where the struggle has been with, you know, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and, and even as Isaiah and Jarek McKinnon, like, you know, they, I know they joked that Isaiah, you know, he runs like he wants to hurt the ground. He's, he's a tough kid. He's a tough runner, but what the linemen was doing, the linemen were doing is I don't feel like they had a lot of confidence in what the backs were doing and vice versa. The, the backs didn't have confidence in what the linemen were doing. And ultimately what happens is the linemen start to what I call it's, it's called butt blocking, right? You, you you stick your butt into the hole and you try to dictate where the running back is going to go. So you, you, it's called position blocking sometimes. And that's what the line was doing. And that's what I think they're still feeling their way through. If you watch them, their feet, they're like, it's like the line doesn't have confidence in the backs and the backs don't have confidence in the line for some reason. And it's not, it's not meshing. And, you know, that's what I think the chiefs need to work on uh, kind of the most. So that's my whole offensive line. That was, a, I know it was a whole like 15 minutes of chatting about that, but you know, it's kind of the position I know best. And I, I like to talk about a lot. That's exactly yeah. why we have. That's why we, I was just going to add, I think uh, this is one of those things just, in the memory bank somewhere I, I did some googling while you're looking at it. i think somebody had mentioned i want to say it was nate taylor um with the athletic mentioned that like orlando brown was kind of unofficially dealing with a quad injury yes, and you know the, and, and it sounds like um the whole offensive line this i mean it's a tough position to play you got to be tough it's the only position where you're guaranteed to get hit every play of the game and if you don't get hit on a play of the game you're sitting there going uh oh what did i do wrong um <laughs> you know <laughs> you so somebody's true. running into you every play um but yeah just you know kind of that same thought is as a unit i think some of it has been you know they've had to move some guys around you know with with trey was hurt and i think nick got a couple games in there and um you know andrew is um I think he gets more flack than he deserves. Yeah, um, yeah he, I mean, you know, for all, all intents and purposes, he's really given a lot to this team. And, um, you know, when you look around some of the other options in the league, uh, you know, uh, starting offensive lineman, even of Andrew Wiley's caliber, right, who I'd say he's a pretty um, – you know, I'd say he's a starter-level talent, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. He, no doubt. He's got it there, right? Um, they're hard to come – come by but i agree with you that it, it seems like there have just been times where as a unit they've been out of sync but at this i think of the tampa bay uh game specifically and i think of you know some of the quotes that were thrown out before that game and and how that game uh specifically that that unit really looked like they kind of were up to the challenge and, and clicked and it's like you know this and i think it's been said a couple times this offense as much as it's the patrick mahomes show 
really lives and dies by this offensive line right now because when they have looked really good, Pat just sits back there and does his thing and NFL defenses are, you know, pulling their hair out when they've been, you know, when they've not been able to run consistently. And, and I, I like that you point out like the trust in the run game. Um, I, I see that because a lot of people it's, it's, you know, it is uh, sometimes the offensive line does a really good job and you open a hole that, you know, anybody could run for 10 yards through, but other times you, you know, those offensive linemen, they're in a position where, um, you know, you're kind of trusting your running back to make the right decision to make you look good as a unit. Yeah. And there is a lot of trust there. Right. And it's, um, you know, it, some of that lack of trust or lack of chemistry between those two kind of moving parts can really derail the offense. And that's when, when we've seen those struggles, I think about like the Colts game and some other games where they've struggled to run the ball consistently. It's, it's not necessarily that anybody, any one person is doing a terrible job. It's that as unit, as especially as a unit and as a, as a backfield, it seems like they're just kind of on like just slightly different pages and there's not that, that chemistry and that, um, you know, it's not running like a well-oiled machine like you want it to. Yeah, I think my you know one of the things and I'm not I'm a I, lo- I love data and I love crunching data, looking at numbers. It tells a story. You know, and obviously it's it's art and science, right? So you've got to you know you got to marry the two, right? You've got to have the art and the science. You know, uh, uh, of of the data plus your gut feel as a coach and and as a player. But the thing that does stand out to me that I would love to see this team increase is I'd love to see uh, more average yards per rush uh, when and also taking out, you know, you got to take out the long rushes. Right. So, you know, you know, for example, like Clyde has he's averaging four point four yards you know, per carry, but he's got a 52 yard run in there that's throwing things kind of off a little bit, right? So you take out some of the outliers, the data, and you, you know, you just kind of take the meat of, of what they're doing. Um, to me, Isaiah is having, even though he has less yardage, uh, he's got fewer carries, he's got 4.9 yards per carry, uh, but he's only got a, a long of 22. So he doesn't have a whole lot of outliers in there. As a line, lineman, that's what I want to see. I want to see not big runs that are going to throw off your average yards per run. And I want to see four and a half to five and a half yards per carry, because that's, those are, that's the attack that wins ball games. When you've got, you know, when you've got second and five, right. Third and two, Right. Like that's the kind of stuff that you want to have happen in the game that just opens the playbook up and just gives Andy and Eric Bienemy thousand more pages in their playbook when you can do that. And that's what the Chiefs really haven't committed to. And, and you know, I, I know we were joking earlier about Philly sports, but I do I do follow the Eagles pretty closely in the NFC living here in Philadelphia. And that's what the Eagles are doing right now. They are dictating to the defense what they need to do rather than the defense kind of telling the Eagles offense what they need to do because of that. Those they're just, they're just pounding the ball and they are committing to the run. And it's no wonder, you know, that, that they're, you know, they're able to sort of that Jalen hurts is able to develop this year because he's given, he's been given all the opportunities, right? He, you know, he's getting, they're getting him into third and fours, third and threes, where, you know, he can RPO it, he can throw the ball short, he can dink and dunk, like, it's really helping with his confidence. So making the analogy to the Chiefs, that's where Patrick really shines. He, he shines when his entire playbook is open. And, and I think that's what this team, uh, while they're still a super high-powered offense, I mean, I want to see them always go to the next level. I don't want them to just be great. I want them to be fantastic and awesome. Like, I want them to be dominant. And that to me is what, that's the one missing piece of this puzzle is it's a commitment to a run game. Now I know that they do a lot of short passing, which kind of substitutes as run, but, you know, flipping it just to the Titans this week, I know we're, I know we're double digit, you know, uh, favorites. Uh, and, and you just, people are saying, wow, how, how can that be a five and two team playing a five and two team? It's, it's, it's crazy, but the chiefs are that much better than the Titans. But the thing that just scares me so much about it is if Derek Henry gets rolling, 
and he can average five yards a carry, you know, getting into that five and a half yards a carry without, you know, a big long breaking run, it's going to keep Patrick off the field. And that's what we don't want, right? Because that's how we win games. We by scoring, right? We don't we don't win a lot of low scoring games, if you've noticed, right? We 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 win most of our games when we score and we we're when our offense is on the field more than the defense. And that's the one thing that scares me about, you know, but you, you know, again, it's a, it's a lit, you can, you live by the sword, you die by the sword because that's what the t- it's held the Titans back because of their over uh, reliance on Derrick Henry. So, you know, if the line doesn't have a good day or the defense come, comes up with a great plan, which the chiefs always have, by the way, Spags has always come up with a way to stop Derrick Henry. I panic every time we play the Titans because of Derrick Henry, because I'm like, God, what if he, what if he has a, like, he just had a historic rushing game last week, right? Like what if he has one of those games where he averages six and a half yards a carry and he rushes for 250 yards? I, I don't, I don't know if, you know, you know, whatever you pick a dynasty team, if they could beat a, a team like that when, when, a, when a running back just completely dominates. So Anyway, it's it's a lot of a lot of analysis here, but I think if the Chiefs could just get some of that, <laughs> then I think it would just send them into the next stratosphere, and we wouldn't even be having these debates about whether they're better than the Bills or worse than the Bills if they could establish more of the dominant running game and commit to it. I think they would leapfrog the Bills uh, by a mile. Well, and. We're going to be stuck on the offensive line for a second. I, I, as you were talking, I was just thinking about kind of the different mentality that comes with run blocking versus pass blocking. And um, again, physical position, you're going to be aggressive regardless. But I know like as a unit, at least in my experience, like when you're having a good day running the ball as an offense that like you get juiced up, like there's something oh, about sure. just, yeah, like you are as a, you know, collectively you're imposing your will on the other team. And, and yeah. there, there is something to say about the, the attitude and the the confidence that, that gives you. And then you're like, okay, we're going to pass here. Like this, all right, we'll take a quick break, you know, pass block, take care of this guy. And even then it's like, you know, I, well, I just, you know, drove this guy back five yards. i I'm sure I can handle him in pass protection. There's there's something to say about the attitude that comes with um, being able to move oh. the ball consistently. And it goes the other way, too, when you're like, oh, man, you know, that running back missed that or, or we can't move the ball today. Like, it, there's a lot to do with the mental side of that when you are, you know, playing physical and, and have the chance to win up front. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback, right? Because then, you know, guys like Patrick Mahomes, then they feel like they have to win the game, right? They feel like they're the ones that have to to put the whole – they have to put the whole city on their shoulders. Um, and that's, you know, that's what Patrick does. You know, sometimes he tries to put the entire Midwest, everybody that roots for the chiefs in the Midwest, he puts them all the weight of them on his shoulders. And you're right though, Tom, there is no feeling when, and an offensive line knows it, man, when they're rolling, because the other team, it, it, it is playing defensive line is probably the most tiring thing that exists in sports. Um, Maybe short of going toe to toe, you know, in a heavyweight boxing match, that's pretty tiring stuff. Maybe, maybe, a, maybe an Olympic wrestling match or something. That's pretty tiring. But like, playing defensive line is probably one of the most exhausting things. And now, listen, that's coming from an offensive lineman. I'm very proud to have been an offensive lineman. And and you know, we had our, we certainly had our our mental and physical battles with with defensive line. But but just speaking objectively, defensive line is tough to play. Because number here's a couple, it's a couple reasons, right? You you don't know when the ball is going to be snapped. Uh, you you don't know which way the ball is going. So everything is about reaction, right? And that's tiring. You're generally, if you're playing on the interior, defensive tackle, and and a lot of times in these new zone schemes, you know, with tight ends who can block, even even the defensive ends, you're basically you're pretty much getting double teamed on every play. Like you have two guys blocking you on every play. Like very rarely are there single blocks, unless it's like backside and you're running a sweep to the left, then, you know, of course there's just a single block on the backside, but like you're generally getting double teamed. You're going backwards, right? You're trying to hold your ground as opposed to progressing forward. And, and pass rushing is not easy. It's very tiring. Um, And again, you know, usually it's five on four. If you throw a blitz in there, obviously it goes to man, but generally nine times out of 10, you know, the, the, the defense is rushing for, so somebody's getting double teamed, getting hammered in the ribs, right? By like, you know, you're getting set up by the tackle, then all of a sudden the guard breaks free and bam, he nails the defensive end in the ribs. It's, it's, that's why, well, when you go through and you look at snap counts, it's very obvious. 
that why, right? That defensive linemen generally only play anywhere from 60 to 75% of the, of the snaps, as opposed to offensive linemen who, unless somebody gets hurt, they're playing a hundred percent. Right. So it's, it's, it's tough. And, and I think, again, it's really just kind of dovetailing into what you were saying. It's, 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 if you get them on their heels and you just, and then they can't pass rush, right. Then they can't jump and bat balls. They're less effective on the stunts when they're trying to, you know, do their X stunts with the tackles and the ends. And it's just, it's just, it changes the whole game when, when you can, when you can really start to put a defensive line and, and of course the seven guys that are up in the box with the linebackers too, when you can get them on their heels, because then they're worried about it, right? They don't, they don't want to get embarrassed. Um, And then, and then they're not dropping in coverage as well. And it opens things up and you can, you can use the middle of the field and Patrick can do his magic. So it's my dream. It's my hope. It's my wish that the Chiefs can somehow get marry what they do in this unbelievable pass game. If they could just marry it somehow to a more, just a little more. They don't need to. They don't need to become the Titans. They don't. They don't need Derrick Henry. But if they could just be a little bit more, a tad more effective in the in the running game, I think it would just it would jump them over the Bills, where people aren't even having this debate on it anymore about who's better. Yeah. So, and we'll get to the Titans, but you just talked a ton about the combination of what the offensive line and when they get going and what that does to a defense, because you were an offensive lineman, we did also want to ask you what you've seen from the young guys and this group, not even just the young guys, but this whole group on the defensive line side of the ball from this Chiefs team this year. Carlothis is a topic we definitely want you to touch on, but the whole group as well. And, and kind of how they've, adapted this group compared to what it was last year and what we've seen spags do differently this year to help this group get more because i know we the numbers are there they've got more pressures they've got more sacks it's not all coming from the defensive line but it's that that whole unit is functioning as it's supposed to and i just we're just curious on that front what you've seen out of this group but again carloftis is definitely something we want you to touch on what you've seen from him because he's a hot topic right now yeah. Yeah. And look, he's young. He's, you know, he's going to need some time. It's, it's tough to, it's, you know, it's really tough to make that transition and, you know, it, it's, it's not easy. So I think we've got to, you know, we've got to give him a little bit of a break and, you know, kind of let him, you know, figure out what it's going to take and, you know, whether it's, you know, spending an entire off season with the strength and conditioning coaches beefing up a little bit, uh, you know, continuing to work on moves and learning for, from guys like Frank Clark and Chris Jones and watching film. I mean, he needs to go back and he needs to go back and look, just speaking of the Chiefs, he needs to go back and watch some Derek Thomas film, you know, and just and just figure it out. Right. Because he's going against the best of the best. Not that, he, you know, when you come from the Big Ten. It's not like you're not playing against great tackles, but there's a reason why there's, you know, these guys are, are starting tackles in the NFL, right? They're, they're the cream of the crop. And, and he just didn't in college go against those kind of players week in week out, like every week. Yeah. He probably went, went against the first or second round or a third round pick every other game or every fourth game. But, you know, he, now he's going against, you know, proven starters, uh, you know, you know, 64, you know, 32 teams, you know, not including if you include the Chiefs, right? 64 tackles that are, are the best tackles in the world. So he's he's going to learn how to to, to to make moves on those guys. And it's just going to take time. And and what I think Spags has done, you know, watching this defense is, you know, what 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 all of the coaches with the Chiefs do is they are fantastic at building a playbook around their players. And that's what I love about this coaching staff, both sides of the ball. They need, none of them have a philosophy that says you're going to fit into this, into this defense or offense. And it's my way or the highway. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details. 
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. They just don't, that just doesn't exist with this coaching staff. It's, it's trying to find round pegs and fit them into a round hole. They do not, this team does not, this coaching staff does not take square pegs and try to jam them into a round hole because that's my defensive philosophy. This is our offensive philosophy. This is how we run. You know, it's taking the talent that you have and building your playbook around them. And, and, and I think that is really what Spags has learned over the years as, 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 as a seasoned coach is he's really, I think he's a master at it. And that's why his, his defenses take a little bit, I'm going to call it uh, uh, cook. It takes his defenses a little bit more time than most to 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 get fully baked and fully cooked, because it just it just you know look, Kirk Herbstreit stole my line. I think he was listening to my podcast because I've been saying this for three years. Uh, I should have trademarked it, but September is the new preseason, and he's and I've heard Kirk Herbstreit say it twice uh, on Thursday Night Football. Um, but like, you know, it's um. You know, it, it's it just takes time, right, to to build out your your talent base and and to get people in the right spots. That's what I that's what I love about Spag. So to kind of I answered your first, second question first of talking about Karlaftis, but I'm, I want to back into that about those things about what he's done differently. You know, he's taken you know some unbelievable talent, right? Come on, he's got he's got some fantastic talent out there, and and Chris Jones, he's got veterans like Frank Clark. You know, but there's also some players in there that are not, you know, you look at some of the names, Mike Dana, Derek Noddy, right? I mean, they're they're good players. Don't get me wrong. They're solid. They're at they're NFL starters in on you know on a top ranked defense, but they're not Chris Jones. And they don't have three or four Chris Joneses up front or or you know in there. And they've been doing it without Willie Gay, right? So they've been doing it without him. Um, you know, it just, he's just, he's just doing an unbelievable way. He's, or I'm sorry, he's, he's doing an unbelievable job of finding ways to get players in the right position. And he's, and he's coming at, he's coming at teams more. He's not just relying on the four rush, uh, you know, the four down the rush. He's, he's actually coming up with, you know, intricate and complicated blitz packages. Uh, he's moving people around the field. He's, he's just finding great ways to disguise coverage and then bring extra players off the edge, which which you had mentioned, that's where they're getting a lot of their sacks from. Um, so you know, it's a complementary thing. So that's why I'm not I'm not as worried about you know George's development and people worried, oh, was he really worth the first pick? And everybody was so pumped. And listen, he's getting some pressures. He's 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 doing his job. He's he's staying disciplined. He's not getting burned. And uh, you know, I think f- for that, I, th- I think he deserves you know some credit. And let's see how he develops over this next offseason and next year as he gets, you know, more used to playing against better players. Well, yeah. I think with the Karloftis thing, you mentioned it just there at the end. Um, he's been I, I said it, oh, was it two episodes ago, Garrett, about him being about a half a second late. It just seems like his right, time yeah. Just slightly behind the NFL speed coming from college. Yeah. Like we're, like you said, Joe, like going up in Purdue, like you're going up against NFL, you know, tackles and stuff like that, maybe once every two or three games. Like, that's not something where you're facing, you're necessarily prepared for what you're going to be seeing in the NFL. So, right. definitely a little bit of a learning curve. But what I found so interesting about how they've been using Karloftis is that they're using him both inside and out. Like, they're putting him in, they're lining him up, like, as a one-tech sometimes over a center mm-hmm. and, like, doing just crazy things with him. And they're trusting him in that role, too, which is, like, super critical because he's serving his role well on this defensive line, right? He's he's allowing guys to go inside out they can put chris jones on the outside you can put carlos dunlap on the outside mm-hmm. you know you can throw frank clark on the inside with the Loftus, and then all of a sudden like you kind of said you're picking your matchups that you want to uh, you want to go up against you're you're fitting those round pegs into the round holes like you want you choose who's you know chris jones you have him versus mike mcglinchy on the outside like that's a matchup that you want to exploit if you can and you can only can do that if you have some good interior guys who can kind of know their assignment and know their role on the inside you know 
Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what, that's what, you know, that's what, right. That's what, uh, you know, Spags is doing right now, because what, what you always try to do is, is, is you try to get those matchups, right? Like with, with Andrew, their teams will try to find a way to have the Chiefs slide the protection away from Andrew. Right. So we, you know, the, the, um, the Eagles used to do here, I go again with the darn Eagles again, but the Eagles used to do it and, I, and they used to use Reggie white in that, for, in that uh, role, they would sometimes line Reggie White up over the center. And they knew that, you know, he was going to get double teamed, triple teamed in there. But what that does is it would free up a Clyde Simmons to go one-on-one with the left tackle, uh, who was, and Clyde was a fantastic pass rusher one-on-one. So you're always trying to find ways to get those single matchups and getting, so think about it, right? So, you know, listeners can picture this, right? So you've got You've got your five linemen and you've got, you know, four down linemen and it's five on four. Right. And that's majority of the rush. Forget about blitzing and, and dogging and bringing linebackers and everything. So you've got someone's going to slide the protection one way or the other. So somebody's going to be uncovered. Let's just use a very simple four man front where the center's uncovered. The center's going to declare left or right because he's got to go one way or the other. Because you want to get a double team, and you're generally going to slide the protection to the Mike linebacker, who is your biggest threat to come on a dog or a blitz, right? So let's say the, the Mike linebacker is lined up to the left over the left guard. You know, Creed's going to say, Larry, 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 left, 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 whatever whatever their code word is, and he's going to slide to protection. And then Patrick's going to know where the center's going, and he's going to know where the hot receiver is because he's now – he knows that the right guard and the right tackle are singled up one-on-one because Creed's going left. And, and so you, you know, you try to align your players so that when the center makes that call to go left, you have your two best rushers over on the right and they're one-on-one against your, you know, your left guard, your right guard and your right tackle. And that's what you try to do. That's the chess game that defensive coordinators do because they'll either they'll show some kind of consistent blitz off of the left side with the Mike linebacker. So Creed's got to say, Larry, 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 left, left, left. He's going left. And then you've got, you know, Andrew Wiley singled up with 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 the preeminent pass rusher over over him at the right tackle. So that's what they're always trying to do. And on, when we played the Eagles, here I go with the Eagles again. When we played the Eagles in 1992, holy cow, it was 30 years ago. Um, we, we had to push every protection to Reggie White. And I'll never forget it. Now, Reggie White, nine times out of 10, I shouldn't even say nine times, I should 99 times out of 100, he lined up over the right tackle. And I'll just remember Howard Mudd, our offensive line coach, was, he, he said to John All, our, our left tackle, in, in, the, in the meeting room on, on Wednesday on the first day of practice, he's like, He's like, John, you know who Clyde Simmons is, right? He goes, Coach, I know who Clyde Simmons is. And he goes, well, you're going to get to know him really well this week because I want you to watch every bit of film on him because you're pretty much going to be blocking him one-on-one by yourself all day because we are pushing everybody we have over to the right. If the center's uncovered, he's going right. If the guard's uncovered, he's going right. We're going to keep a tight end in. We're going to chip a running back off of Reggie because Reggie would beat two, three, four people and still get a sack. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you have to do if you're going to be successful. And and I guess, you know, just kind of wanted to give everybody that visual because that's what, that's what Spags is doing right now. And he's finding ways to get really good matchups to get pressure uh, on quarterbacks. And, and he's just, he's, he's just, I want to say, he's just, he's just thinking about it. You know, he's just, he's literally just thinking about it uh, week in and week out about how he can do that. So it's, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, to watch this defense on, um, develop and, and watching this, uh, kind of drama unfold with this defense, because I, I, I think they're playing really well. I mean, I like to see them a little better against the run. That's why I get a little odd, you know, when I think about Derrick Henry this week, but, um, I, I think they're doing it. I think they're doing a really good job. I, I'd give this defense through seven games in the bye week. I'd give them an A minus, you know, for what they've, for what they've done for sure which Chiefs fans would have been flabbergasted and stunned to have before this season started with this many new starters, this many new players, and this many different things happening on this defense. Yeah, Kyle. You mentioned, good. you mentioned Tennessee, and we're going to transition into that conversation right now. The running game being the issue that it's been, and Tennessee not really – look, no offense, Ryan Tannehill, but 
you're not exactly somebody's defensive coordinator scheme around. They're worried about Derrick Henry. Just is what it is. Everybody knows that. With Frank Clark being out, and look, everybody wants to say whatever you want about Frank. What does Frank do? He sets an edge well. He plays the run well. He's suspended for this game, which also doesn't make a ton of sense to me since we've known about this for like a year and a half, and it was all basically resolved in July. But, hey, seven weeks into the season, why not? Um, That part, with him being gone and what Spags has done all year with this line, he's – I've talked about it a bunch. He reminds me of what he was doing with the Giants back when he had an elite amount of talent down there. Now, this line is not nearly as talented as that 07 Giants line because that 07 Giants line had two or three Hall of Famers on it. So I understand that that's not the same thing. But he's been doing the mixing of the fronts and changing positions with the different guys and letting people come from different places and doing different things. This week against Derrick Henry, who's the guy that – I mean, I think I know the answer, but who's the guy that steps into that Frank Clark role on that edge in that run game and does that job? Because it's it's not a glorious job, guys. It sucks to be the end edge on the run game. You set the edge. You get the chip block. You get the cut. You get all that crap all day long as that guy, and he does it all the time. So I'm a little nervous about that part. Where do you yeah. see that going in this game? Well, I, I yeah, I think I think it – it, it, it is very scary, uh, you know, when you get a guy like Derrick Henry who, who can run, you know, off tackle um, because he's so big and so fast. Um, it, I mean, it's, obviously it's going to, you know, the pressure is going to fall on, 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 on the ends that are, that are going to have to fill in, whether it's Carlos or George or Mike Dana. I mean, they're just going to have to find a way. And I think what they're going to have to do is, they're going to have to do their best to take on multiple blockers so that the linebackers can, you know, can scrape over the top and, and make plays. I, th- I think the pressure, believe it or not, and I'm not trying to be counter to what, you know, everybody was saying is I think in these situations, the pressure to make the plays, okay. To make the plays to, to get their name on the loudspeaker for making the tackle, the pressure falls on the linebackers in these big games against against big running teams like this. That's where the pressure is to get your name announced. The real work has to happen in taking on the double teams so that that can happen for the linebackers, if you can imagine that, right? So, you know, you've got to be able to take on multiple blockers and blow up gaps so that the Nick Boltons of the world and, you know, the Willie Gays of the world can scrape over the top of those blocks and make the right read about where Derrick Henry might go so that they have the cleanest shot at him, right? Because <clears throat> if they don't and you try to I'll call it side tackle him, he's going to run right through you. So you've got to face him up and you got to make a perfect form tackle against him. And the, so Yes, the, the, the linebackers are going to have the pressure to make the plays and make tackles, but the onus is really going to fall on the defensive line to blow up double teams and allow those, uh, you know, and that's not, that's, there's not a lot of glory in that, guys, because it is a long day when, when you have to take on double teams so linebackers can, you know, <clears throat> get their name announced and, you know, wave their hair you know, like Clay Matthews, right, and and and, and Fabio in the win, right? Because that's what we always used to joke about, you know, linebackers, you know, because I did play a little defensive line in, in high school, and you know, <clears throat> we would always joke about about the linebackers, you know, getting all the glory. Meanwhile, we're taking on, you know, double teams, triple teams. We're getting trapped, right? Uh, you know, you're, you're you're getting option, right? Where <clears throat> a lot of times in these RPOs, you're not getting blocked because they're the quarterback's making you make the decision about what you do. So that's, that's never fun. So it's a lot of pressure and it's not a fun day to, you know, hear, you know, uh, Nick Bolton tackle, Nick Bolton tackle, Nick Bolton tackle. And everybody's like, Whoa, linebackers are the best. And we love linebackers. And, you know, they get all the glory. And, you know, meanwhile, you know, your, your face mask is bent in like eight different ways. So <laughs> as a defensive lineman, cause you've taken on, you know, 30 double teams during the course of the game. So uh, that's kind of my my thought about about where the pressure is going to be for sure. That's a good thought for sure. Um, 
getting us out of here with the Tennessee talk, hopping back over to the offensive side of the ball real quick. Uh, we had a bye week to prepare. You know, Andy Reid off the bye week. Bye week is usually pretty good. Uh, we just added Kadarius Toney, uh, who has already gotten some passes with Patrick Mahomes per Patrick Mahomes' press conference. Um, what do you kind of expect to see from, you know, maybe Tony's usage? They, they kind of have a similar to like a Christian McCaffrey that we saw last week where you just kind of ramped him in with a couple plays to get him established potentially. And uh, how do you think the rest of the offense flows versus the Tennessee Titans defense? Yeah, I mean, they've got obviously, um, you know, they've got a, got a good defense, right? I mean, they're, uh, they're, they're, you know, look, they're, they're my, my, my concern with, with the Titans is, you know, they've, the games that they've won, um, you know, they haven't really, haven't really beaten anybody yet. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they lost soundly to the Bills. Um I don't even count opening day. I know it was a loss to the, to the Giants. I mean, opening day is like a crapshoot. You know, you just – teams don't even practice at training camp anymore. Like, it might as well be a preseason game the first week. Um, sorry, I sound like I have sour grapes. I, you know, I just think back to the Marty Schottenheimer era where, you know, we would go 13 or 14 days in a row of full pad two-a-days at training camp and scrimmaging every day and, you know, just playing four – preseason games where you know your starters played at least a half like it's cra- crazy how different it is but um but you know look they they you know they beat a struggling raiders team you know they they did beat the colts who we didn't beat but it was you know wasn't a, it wasn't a handy win uh you know they 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 squeaked by the the commanders uh they went back and beat the colts again and you know, and then they beat Houston by a touchdown you know 17-10 so th- this team can can be scored upon, you know, those are, those are pretty, those are all I named other than the bills who scored 41 against them. I mean, they're all relatively anemic offenses who were still able to put some points up. Um, so, you know, I think what, what the chiefs need to do is see if they can establish some running early, get things moving, bring, you know, so that the strong safety and the linebackers are at least thinking about it. And then we all know what happens when that, when they can do that, then Travis starts getting behind coverage midfield, you know, then, you know, we start stretching the field horizontally and vertically. Like it just, it all starts working out. If you can get what I would call eight up into the box, right? If you can, if you can get eight people thinking about the run or the short pass or the screen and all those things, it really does help, uh, you know, open the playbook up. So uh, that's where I think the chief should start. Um, and I think they should really attack, you know, what I call like not the middle of the field side to side, but the middle of the field from a depth perspective, right? They need to attack that, you know, 10, 8 to 15 yard pass, right? Let's not, you know, this team doesn't, isn't really designed right now to, you know, big bombs. This team is designed to break tackles on medium short to medium uh, term path, uh, uh, you know, medium range passes and break tackles, right? That's, that's how this team grinds it out and drives us down the field, high percentage stuff. And I think that's what they do. You know, that's what they do against, you know, against this team. And what that also does for me, I'm going to go not to always go back to Derrick Henry, but it keeps him off the field. You know, if the chiefs can win the time of possession and they can score early, it, you know, forces Tannehill to be a quarterback and not just be a game manager, right? Where he can hand the ball to Derrick Henry and see if they can chop, you know, chomp away at the time. So I think that's, you know, and whether, whether or not Tony, you know, hits the field is, I I think it's pretty much immaterial at this point. He's a great addition. I'm glad they did it. It it does provide some depth. Um, I, but I think it's, you know, it'd be nice to see him get out there a little bit, see what he can do. You know, Throw, put some plays in there where he can, you know, shake and bake a little bit, you know, and break a tackle, um, you know, a quick, a quick out, a quick screen, you know, something like that. That's not going to take uh, him learning, you know, uh, uh, Andy Reid's progression, the tree, his progression routes are, it's like, it's like uh, calculus, you know, trying to figure that stuff out. So he, he's not going to have the time to, you know, go through all of the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, you know, progression tree of 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 the receiving, you know, of the receiving core that they're used to. Uh, so I think you 
put a couple simple plays in for him and, and I think get him out there and make other teams watch the film on him. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an unknown factor that you can always just pop out and maybe pop off a good a couple of good plays for him. You never know. Um, Joe, we've very much been glad to have you on for this podcast today. Before we get you out of here, we always have a quick score prediction, uh, what we expect to see uh, come Sunday. Uh, we won't start with you. Well, actually, I'm going to start with Arrowhead Tom on this okay. one. Tom, what do you got for a quick score prediction here to close this out? Yeah, I've been quiet just listening to, to Joe's knowledge, but um, I agree with him. I think that it's going to come down to this is a team that's not afraid to run the ball in, in Tennessee. I mean, that's what they did last week. Um, I'm not talking about Ryan Tannehill. I know he's listed as questionable right now. Uh, Malik Willis, Mike, and that's a whole other factor is, you know, who's going to start. Yeah. But neither of those guys inspire. I look at the receiving core. Um, I think we're looking at a probably a lowing, lower scoring game than what Chiefs are used to just because of the time of possession battle. Um, so I'm going to say I think the Chiefs need to get above 24 points to win this game and to feel good about it. So I'm going to say they're going to score 28 and we'll give the Titans 17. Very honest, a very fair assessment from Arrowhead Tom there. We'll go uh, counterclockwise here. So Joe, what do you got for us? Um, I'm in, I'm in Tom's boat there. I, th- I don't think it's going to be, I don't think they're going to get into the forties. Uh, I don't know if the chiefs will get into the high thirties, just given the fact that they're not going to have the ball as much. I just have a feeling that the, the, the Titans are going to try to rely on Henry and they're going to really just pound and ground and do all those things that, that they feel like they need to do. So I don't think it would be you know, the clock is going to be the Chiefs' worst enemy in this game, more than more, more probably more than the Titans. So I would say they're probably, I think, but I do think they're going to get into the 30s. I think I think it's going to be like a 31, and I'm going to go with the same uh, as Tom. I'm going to say 31 to 17. Um, but I don't, I think the Chiefs are going to score quickly and, and sort of, uh, you know, the Titans are going to, the Titans are going to, try to run the ball early and then they're going to realize that the chiefs are going to keep scoring. And then, you know, Tannehill is going to have to come out of his shell and, and do some things, obviously if he, if he plays, but, but so I, I think like 31 to 17, I think would be a good, you know, it covers the spread. Uh, it, it gives, you know, kind of shows that Vegas was right on this one, even though it's two, five and two teams, just looking at the, the Vegas knows something about when you 12 and a half point favorite, you know, they must know something. They're pretty darn good at that stuff. And and I think they're all realizing that this Titans team hasn't really played anybody yet and that the Chiefs team is really just getting ready to explode. This is this is where they start hitting their peak. And uh, this is where they really start peaking. So uh, I think 31-17. All right. Kyle, what do you got? Well, uh, this Joe just mentioned an interesting thing. Vegas actually had this game open at ten and a half, and it's moved to twelve and a half. Yeah, and that's with, from what I understand, at least from some of the books, the majority of the money in the tickets on the Titans. They're still moving this line towards Kansas City's favored more. That's uh, that's something to pay attention to. Um, now, part of that may be because of what Garrett just mentioned, which we haven't talked about, which would be Malik Willis maybe playing his first career football game ever in the NFL at Arrowhead, which... Uh, <laughs> oh, Arrowhead. <laughs> Good luck with that. Woo! I don't envy you, kid. Good luck. We saw how it went for Jordan Love. Good God. Aye, aye, aye. That's not fair to do to damn near anybody. So Tennessee, I hope Ryan Tannehill plays for that purpose, strictly because he's been there and felt that before and that's just not fair to do to a kid in his first nfl start um if malik willis plays this game's gonna be wolf bad ugly um if ryan Tannehill plays i think i had this as a 30 to 21 win at this point um i i just think they get a couple of rushing touchdowns and they drag the game out and drag the game out and it looks closer than it is at the end because it was like 30 to 14 with six minutes left and they ran the ball the last six minutes down the field to get a touchdown type of deal from the Titans. Um, I'm not super, I, I, do, I don't want to, we're not overlooking them, but this is Andy Reid off a of bye and Garrett mentioned this earlier. And I want to read you this because this is from our friend Jordan Foote over at KCSN slash Arrowhead Report slash wherever else he is at this point. 
This week, Chiefs Andy coach Andy Reid has the opportunity to add to his legend when coming off a bye. He has a 20-3 and career record. He is 12-1 and at home. He is 7-2 and with the Chiefs. He is 4-0 with Mahomes for 34 points a game. That's, uh, I'd say, yeah, as Garrett said earlier, pretty good coming off the bye. Um, that's a huge problem for the Titans. That's not good for you. He's got extra time for you. You have big issues. Uh, I... I say 30 to 21, but if they don't get that third touchdown and it's 30 to 14, you won't catch me surprised. Yeah, I think I think everyone's kind of in agreement with how this game kind of should go. Uh, maybe that's not a good sign, and maybe it'll go completely opposite to how we all expect. That usually happens on this show. Um, I'm going to play a little bold. Uh, I'm going to go with the final score of 37 to 10. Uh, I think the Chiefs... We'll get theirs plenty. I think we just saw them drop 40 last week. Um, they've rested. They, they're they usually not like super explosive out of a bye week, but I just think that the like the way that they're rolling, their chemistry that they have, and the Titans, you know, just, their defense doesn't inspire me to, to stop what we've got. We've got just a lot of dynamic pieces out there that are going to are gonna get theirs. And I think Derrick Henry is going to get his fair share of carries and his fair share of yards. But from what we've seen, this defense kind of this year is it's a bend don't break mentality. You know, you can let them gash gash you for the first 80 yards of the field, but as soon as you get in the red zone, it's a different game. And I think, especially near the goal line, I think the Titans might try to get a little cute, especially if Ryan Tannehill isn't in there. Um, that's a that's going to be something completely different. But do they I think get the, to the goal line if Ryan Tannehill's not in there. Yeah, do they? It might be like a Derek Carr in the Raiders situation last week, where they barely get past the the half the half yard line. Um, so I don't know. I think it might be a, a a good game for Kansas City as far as a one sided battle. I think we might, you know, hopefully it's a stress free game. But I think uh, the defense, as long as they do their part, I think the offense should have pretty easy sailing going into this one. Um, you can get and basically they can kind of do as much as they want. They can be a conservative offense and just drop a cool 28 points, they could maybe drop another 40 points and just really go balls to the wall. So you never know. You never know exactly what Chiefs team is going to show up. But luckily for the past couple of games, whichever Chiefs team shows up, it's going to probably be a pretty decent one. So that's well, something to look also, forward to. The, the other reason that I think Garrett is mentioning the defense in the light that he was just talking about, how they can kind of dictate what they want, that Titans defense is beat up, including probably the best player they have on it in Jeffrey Simmons. So that part does not leave them in a huge um, grace period for their for their uh, trip to Arrowhead this Sunday either. That's not an ideal situation to have your basically the centerpiece of your defense not be 100% when going against this team. Yeah, that's tough. That would be very tough. But this has been a great episode. Joe, thank you so much for coming on and joining with us and talking with us once again. Uh, if you could let everybody know where they can find your content, where they can find your podcast, all that good stuff, so they can get more Joe Valerio in their life. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Garrett and Kyle and Tom. Always great to be with you guys. Let's do it again soon, and uh, don't uh, don't be strangers. Let's reach out and do it again. It's always fun to catch up with uh, the three of you. Uh, I'm you know on social media at Joe Valerio seventy three. Uh, I host uh, co-host with uh, my my podcast partner Jeff Fedotin, who writes uh, for Forbes magazine, covers the Chiefs. Uh, it's Believe in Chiefs, B L E A V, Believe in Chiefs podcast on the Believe Network, and uh, we do that every uh, you know every week. And um, yeah, so it's uh, it's always fun to catch up with with the Chiefs community and uh, you know. It's the, the, the city and, and the team have a special place in, in my heart. Uh, it's amazing, amazing fans, best fans in, in, in the world in all sports, not just football, uh, just amazing people, amazing community. And uh, we, we miss it dearly. It's, uh, you know, Philadelphia was, I always say it was my hometown. That's where my wife and I grew up. And, 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 you know, when we came back here to raise our kids, we just kind of needed that, that family support. My wife and I grew up 10 minutes from each other, but I always tell people, and I say this with all sincerity, if, if we hadn't, uh, you know, been from the same hometown and, and, and had triplets, which was what uh, we ended up, you know, bringing home with us from Kansas city uh, you know, we definitely would have stayed in Kansas city and made our home there. We, we loved it. It's a great community, great people, and uh, just great fans and absolutely uh, adore the city and everything about it. So, uh, yeah, it's just been great to be with you guys and, and, and always great to connect. Always. We will be sure to have you on again. 
uh, before the season wraps up because you're always one of our favorite guests to have on. But thank you all so much for listening to this podcast episode. Be sure to follow us at Kingdom Says Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we will talk to you guys in the next one. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.